Let's do this. Man, this world is crazy right now. And they need Jesus. This world needs Jesus. So let's continue to put ourselves in positions. I, I think of it this way. Even when you show up on a Sunday morning, that you're putting yourself in a position, in a posture, in an environment where you, you are saying, God, I want to be changed by you. I want my heart to be changed, my attitude to be changed, my mind to be changed. Just continue to put yourself in places like this where you can say that I want to be changed. I want to be equipped. I want to be empowered. I want to be trained up so that what I can be more and more effective at telling the world what Jesus has done in my life. So let's continue to engage in that level. Let's continue to preach the word. There's something important about that, right? So we're in the book of Acts. And uh, man, I don't know about you, but this has been like phenomenal. I'm like my life is being radically changed week by week. And today I don't think uh, is going to be any different. Today's a really powerful portion of scripture. So Acts chapter four, if you have your Bibles, we're going to pick it up where Mary left off, which is in verse 23. And before I read, uh, let's go ahead and bow our heads and pray and make sure our hearts are ready to really engaged today. God, we want our ears, our eyes to be open. We want our hearts to be open. We lay down distractions. We would just begin to even now press in deeper and deeper into what your spirit is saying today. We want to be changed. We want to be transformed. We are eager, Lord. There's a something about our hearts that is eager for a deposit of your word today, that it might grow in us and become something beautiful. So do what only you can do and all God's people say, amen. Amen. Well, let's kick it off with verse 23. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people. They reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. So on their release, they go back to their own people. Well, on their release from what? Well, again, Mary did such a good job preaching on this last week, but a man was healed. He had not been able to walk for over 40 years. He's healed. The healing draws a crowd. Again, we've walked through this for several weeks now. It draws a crowd. The people are amazed at what Peter and John are saying. But the leaders, the rulers, they're not quite as impressed. In fact, they're so not impressed that they arrest Peter and John. Uh, Peter and John get put in jail. And then the next day, Peter and John are brought out. And they stand before what kind of feels like anybody and everybody who is in power or a ruler, right? It says there's a long list of rulers, of teachers, of elders, and they're questioning Peter and John. By the end of the questioning, if you remember verse 18, they they really don't know what to do with Peter and John. So they command them, you cannot speak, you cannot teach, we command you, right? Don't speak, don't teach at all in the name of Jesus. And then Peter and John come up with one of the true mic drop moments of the Bible. you got to love their response here. They say, well, which is right in God's eyes? Listen to you or listen to him. You be the judges. Here it is. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Boom. So now in today's passage, after their release, Peter and John, they're going back to their people and they already break the rule, right? They start talking and telling the people about what 
has happened. But then let's pick it up in verse 24. I'm going to read through 29. When they heard this, when the people heard Peter and John's account, they raised their voices together. They're all praying together to God. And and there's a bunch of different uh, Old Testament passages they're quoting here. But they say, Sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? Why do the kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one? Indeed, verse 27, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and your will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats. I want to stop there. See, they're raising all their voices together. And in this prayer, I mean, they, again, they say just about everybody in Jerusalem who had conspired against Jesus. It's quite the list. Verse 27, if you see that, verse 27, they say that. Who was there? There, there was Herod, uh, uh, who was at the time the ruler of uh, Galilee region. And then there's uh, also, who was the other guy that was there? Pontius Pilate. He's the governor of Roman Judea. And then we also have, they said, the Gentiles. And then they say the people of God, right? The, the Israelites, the, the people of Israel. It says all of them conspired against Jesus. So, by the way, if you want to blame somebody for killing Jesus, blame everybody, right? <laughs> blame us. Blame humanity. It's just who we are without Jesus in our lives, in our sins. We are all rebellious enemies of God. So again, in their prayer, they're talking about all these people who conspired against Jesus. But then they also mention that they did what the Lord's power and the Lord's will had decided beforehand should happen. But then they say, but Lord, consider their threats. If you have your Bible, you might want to underline that phrase. Consider their threats. Again, they're praying about all these people who conspired against Jesus. And Mary did such a good job. Last week we learned that all those same people are still around. Right? They're, they're still there. And, and they just got done interrogating Peter and John, threatening them, commanding them not to speak in the name of Jesus. So it's a prayer that just says the, simply this. The ones who conspired against Jesus, they're now conspiring against us. So, Father in heaven, in the name of Jesus, consider their threats. Church, this is so important. With everything going on. In our world right now, this is so important because there is something in our flesh, I think in our humanness, that just says, consider their threats and crush them. Consider their threats and just get them out of the way. Or consider their threats and if you're not going to remove them, at least would you save us? Right? Like, help us. Because in this story today, again, they're like, if they killed Jesus... Who's to say they're not going to kill us? So save us. But instead, church, their prayer doesn't sound anything like this. Instead, radically trusting in the Father's will being done, radically trusting in God's plans and purposes being accomplished, not in spite of them, but in and through them. Listen to what they say. Verses 29 and 30. Now consider their threats and enable us, your servants, to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and to perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Oh, man. And that changes everything, right? Consider 
their threats and enable us to speak your word with boldness. Consider their threats and you stretch out your hand of healing. Consider their threats and God move in signs and wonders in the name of Jesus. Church, what a powerful prayer to pray. What a dangerous prayer to pray. You know, I I don't even know if we're all there yet, right? I don't know if we could all pray that prayer. By the way, I I understand it is kind of cold in here today, and we couldn't figure out how to get it hotter over there. So I apologize, but at least no one's going to fall asleep. So that's a good thing. But it's a dangerous prayer to pray. and Because, again, I think there's just something in us. That just says, you know, consider their threats and wipe them off the face of the earth, right? Consider their threats. or It's kind of like this. Consider their threats and God do something about them so that I don't have to. You ever been there before? Like, God, could you just kind of take care of this so I don't have to do anything? But instead, it's consider their threats. The threats are real. But now empower us. Enable us. To do your will. Fall on us. We just sang so many songs about this. Fall on us again by the power of your Holy Spirit that we might speak the word of God boldly, that we might be able to speak the word of God boldly, that we might be able to bring healing in the name of Jesus, signs and wonders in the name of Jesus, that the world would know the salvation that comes in the name of Jesus. Not through, not in spite of us, but through us. Anybody? And is this resonating with anybody today? Because again, that season, 2,000 years ago, that's a scary season. It's kind of an intense season. All the bad actors are still on the stage. They're still all in play. But it's almost like, you know what? But God, if this is when you wanted me to be born, if this is when you wanted me to live, if this is where you wanted me to live... Well, it seems kind of impossible on my own. So Holy Spirit of God, power of God, fill me up to do what you've called me to do. Enable me by your power that your kingdom would be on display in and through my life. You know, it's the attitude that I've tried to have through this season. I think many of you have seen that in me. I know it's the attitude that many of you have tried to have in this season. I'm so proud of you. It's like, hey, God, I don't know if I wish to be alive now or those types of things. But if this is what I got, well, God, I'm going to trust you more than I trust me. So that if this is when and where you want me, then let's go. Ha! Let's go. And then you're like, well, I can't do this. I mean... Not at all. So Holy Spirit of God. Holy Spirit of God. Fall fresh on me again. Fall fresh again on us again, Lord. Right now. Right here. Enable us to do your will. In healings and signs and wonders. All to the name of Jesus. For the glory of you, Lord. And the glory of your kingdom. Again, is that resonating with anybody today? Hallelujah. And after they prayed, verse 31, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God boldly. He answers one of their prayers right away. Hallelujah. They speak the word of God boldly. Life spring, 
I think it might be a good time for us to be examining our prayer life. I think it might be time for us to be shifting even in how we pray, maybe praying some different prayers. Again, I think it's kind of normal in our flesh to kind of just be praying for God to take care of everything so we don't have to do anything. Prayers that kind of ask God, hey, can I avoid the storm? But it might be time to adjust those prayers just a little bit where instead we invite him, no, God, I need you right here, right now. Use my life, my story, my testimony to bring your good news right in the middle of the storm. And that's not a Pastor Dan thing, that's a Christian thing. That's a follower of Jesus thing. That says, God, if you've called me here for this time, I'm just saying I'm not going to waste my life any longer. So God, by your power, let's go. Let's do this thing for your glory and your kingdom. Again, it might be time to be praying some different prayers. Kind of maybe some prayers that sound a little bit more like these disciples. Now watch out. You start praying like this, God's going to answer those prayers. He loves answering prayers like that. You know the one that says, I surrender. I give up trying to live my own life on my own, by my own wants and my own desires and my own plans and my own wishes and thoughts. And instead, you know, I'm just going to surrender and say, God, use me. Here am I, send me. You pray like that, God will use that prayer every time. He loves answering that prayer. He's going to fill you up. He's going to use you to make his name known in this world. By the way, even to those who might be conspiring against you. When you start praying like this, he will fill you up with his spirit. But I've noticed this as well. He often brings you into rooms that most people will not want to go into. I can't believe some of the rooms I've gotten to walk into where I'm like, I don't even deserve to be. I don't know how I got there. If they really knew what I thought, there's no way they would open the door. And yet here I am. Praise the Lord. Anyone know what I'm talking about, right? Jesus, Jesus. He loves answering that prayer. And he will bring you into those rooms and you will have the opportunity to speak the word of God boldly. You know, I I just want to pause there. That word that I just gave for the last 15, 20 minutes, that is for some of you today. Like, I, I don't know if it's for everybody, but it's for somebody. And I also want you to hear this. Peter had John. John had Peter. Peter and John had all the people. Please do not try to go through this alone. It's just not working. Please do not go through this alone. Stay in community. Press in. Our faith is to be expressed and lived out in community, through community, from community. So again, thanks for being here today, but keep on pressing into that. Do not try to do this alone. Speaking of that and speaking of community, let's go through the last half of chapter 4 here. Verses 32, I think, through 37. It says, All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything that they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace, it was so powerfully at work in them all that there was no needy persons among them. Isn't that amazing? For from time to time, those who owned land or owned houses, they sold them. They brought the money from the sales. They put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. Joseph, verse 36, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, and we're going to learn more about him in the weeks to come. He sold a field he owned, and he brought the money, and he put it at the apostles' feet. Again, so all the believers, they have one heart, one mind. They're sharing everything. The apostles, they're testifying with great power. No one in need. 
I tell you, as I was reading this section this week about this new community, again, a new community in Christ, they're selling these fields, bringing the money to their leaders, sharing with each other so that no one is in need. It brought me back, as terrifying as this is, it brought me back to my master's program that I was in at Life Pacific University, uh, specifically to one of the hardest but most rewarding classes that I took, which was called Old Testament Ethics. I mean, it just sounds hard. <laughs> Old Testament ethics, where you learn the ethics of the Old Testament. And so you learn about how God's people were supposed to behave, how they were supposed to act, how they were supposed to treat God, but also treat each other. And you study the book of Deuteronomy. And in Deuteronomy, you learn that in the promised land, and these are the words of Moses, he doesn't get to go to the promised land, but it's instructions for uh, the rest of the group. When you make it to the promised land, uh, the instructions, part of it is that there would be this place, a dwelling place for God's presence. And we all know this story, right? And this place of God's presence, it's where you would bring your sacrifices, your offerings, right? This is where you would bring your tithes, your special gifts. You're even bringing like the firstborn of flocks and herds. Again, this special place of God's divine presence. So Deuteronomy, it gives, again, instructions on how we're to interact with God in his divine presence. But then Deuteronomy also describes in many different ways how we're to interact with each other. Again, if you've read the book, you know there's specific instructions on how we interact with each other. In that class, we spent an entire week just talking about God's instructions on how you're supposed to treat the poor, the poor that are among you. I'm just going to read a short passage here from Deuteronomy 15. If anyone is poor among your fellow Israelites in any of the towns of the land the Lord your God is giving you, don't be hard-hearted. Don't be tight-fisted toward them. Rather, be open-handed and freely lend them whatever you need or whatever they need. Verse 10, give generously, generously, what a good word, right? Generously to them and do so without a grudging heart. Then because of this, the Lord your God will bless you. Hallelujah. He'll bless you in all your work and in everything you put your hand to. There will always be poor people in the land. Therefore, I command you, be open-handed toward your fellow Israelites who are poor and needy in your land. So that's Deuteronomy. But we know by the time of Jesus and his disciples, how God's people are interacting with God, but also how they're interacting with each other. Can we just agree that it was pretty broken? I mean, really broken. It was far removed from anything that God had required of his people. And so this religious system, which included the temple, the temple, that place where heaven meets earth of God's divine presence, but also the rulers of the system who are supposed to be taking care of the poor and taking care of the widows and the orphans. Again, it's just not going well. We, we even read about Jesus having to crack the whip and the money changers, right? He's saying, you have called, you've turned my father's house into a den of robbers. And, and we know that the leaders, the religious system and their leaders, they, they weren't ever accused of being open-handed, right? Instead, they're accused of having hardened hearts. And so the system is broken. And yet, hallelujah, God always had a plan. And we've been reading about that plan in the book of Acts. It's been fun seeing it unfold. And where in the Old Testament, you saw God's divine personal presence in that tabernacle or tent of meeting. And then in the temple, described by things like wind and fire. But now this new kingdom established by Jesus and his blood. Now that wind and that fire, it's not up in some mountaintop in a temple made of stone. Instead, where is that fiery, windy presence of God? It rests where? In us. Hallelujah. 
It's in us that we are the temple wherever we are, whenever we gather individually, but also now corporately. Another wonderful thing about Pentecost, when Pentecost happened, it, it gathered people from all over, right? Uh, all the ancient world, all these nations, people were there in Acts chapter 2. And when the Spirit came upon them, thousands of them repented. Of different languages, different cultures, thousands repented, thousands believed in Jesus. The Jewish people gathered uh, now under the presence of God. Those that were scattered, those that were divided, they're united. One heart. One mind. It's a new and everlasting covenant. I was reading Ezekiel 37. It's beautiful. It talks about this place, this time when his people will be gathered. And and even says that God's dwelling place will be amongst them, with them forever. And as I read the book of Acts and even this chapter, I'm like, it's happening. It's happening. It's being fulfilled in Jesus. It's a new community. Uh, There was a church in Spokane called New Community. I thought it was just a clever name. But as I was reading today, I was like, no, it's a new community. This is what we have in Jesus, a new community, a new community of God's people. It's a community of generosity. It's a community of worship and celebration of joy and giving and serving. It's a, a community of life and love. And it's not found in some temple out there, but instead found in the temple inside of us. This is the good news of Jesus with a transformed heart, with a renewed mind. But it's also now here, new community where we are being transformed, not by rules and regulations and religion, but no, by the very Spirit of God. And this unity, this generosity, I just see it as this great fulfillment of what God's people were always meant to be. What God's people were always meant to represent to the greater world, right? Reflecting His image. Blessed to be a blessing. Light in the darkness. Order in chaos. An example of God's goodness in the midst of evil. A shining beacon in this life. A shining beacon of love and of salvation to a world, again, who is in such desperate need of rescue. And again, the religious people of the day, they thought that was all going to happen through us, right? Through us in power, through the leaders and the rulers of the religious system up on a temple hill. Instead, it's now happening through everyday, ordinary followers of Jesus, just like you and me. But what happened? They're everyday, ordinary followers of Jesus who have had the Spirit rest on them. The Spirit of God has come upon them in power. And now something extraordinary is happening. Because of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, they gather together, united with one heart, with one mind, meeting each other's needs. Don't miss this, life spring. A Jesus-centered community like we read about in Acts chapter 4, like we are witnessing with our own eyes here at LifeSpring. It is a place where we come from all over. I mean, we're a varied group. We come from different backgrounds, wildly different life experiences, but we come and we gather in the name of Jesus. And in His name, we encounter God's presence, His healing, His generous, His loving, His life-giving presence. And right here, we learn how to love God but also to love others. Isn't that beautiful? He's healing our relationship with God and healing our relationship with each other. This is why, by the way, the body of Christ, the church, isn't optional for me. This will never be optional for me. 
It's not optional for my life because I know who I am without it. And I know who I am without you. I need the Lord. I need His Spirit. And I need the move of His Spirit, like happened today. I need that in my life. The move of His Spirit that comes through a new life-giving community, just like this. Because <laughs> this isn't going to surprise anybody, but I'm a work in progress. <laughs> yeah. Amen. And I believe He started a good work in me. I believe He's faithful to complete it. But I'm somewhere in the middle of all that. (laughs) But hallelujah, he's not done with me. Right? Hallelujah, he's not done with me. And when I'm hanging out with you, when I'm there Thursday night, 630 with the men, and I'd encourage you if you're a man here, we'd love to have you there. I've grown so much in that group on Thursday nights. Or at my next level class on Sunday nights, teaching on prayer with Grace Nagy. When I'm there, I realize, like, man, I'm just not there yet. I'm a work in progress. But I also got the best artists and craftsmen in the world working on me. I'm in the Heavenly Father's workshop. Hallelujah. I'm thankful for that. Now, I'm not sure His work on me always feels good, but I'm so thankful for the work He's doing in my life. Anybody else thankful for the work that God is doing in your life? Come on. Come on. How much of my flesh, how much of my rebellious parts in my life, He just continues to work on them. He continues to transform me. He continues to change me. Listen, church, in His presence, in this community. It's here in the body of Christ, with you, that I found a new way to be human. I didn't discover or learn how to live this life for Jesus out on my own. This radical change in my heart, it happened right here in the middle of a Jesus-centered community. It's here, not in isolation, but in real relationships that I've learned to recognize. This is so good. I've learned to recognize and to realize that my old ways of talking, my old ways of acting, that just kind of came naturally and normal to my old self, I've noticed they just don't fit anymore. Like my old clothes, they just don't fit. And so it's in the church with the help of Jesus, but also with Jesus' people, with Jesus' people, where I've learned how to change how I talk, change how I walk, and I actually have learned and I'm growing. And I'm not there yet, but I'm learning and growing how to love God and to love others. Praise the Lord. I, I recently just heard, heard this from somebody. You, you said something. And I had to do this too in my own life, but I heard from someone. You, you said something, and, and right away you apologized for what you said. And why did you do that? Because you're a Christian. You're a born-again new believer. Uh, you're a born-again new creation in Christ. You're a Christian, and you just knew that what came out of your mouth isn't the kind of thing that you should be saying. And so as a new person in the new community of God, by God's grace and the freedom you have in Christ, you just said, you know what? Please forgive me for what I just said. I shouldn't have said that. Isn't that good? Another one of you uh, told me a story how you had to uh, uh, forgive someone who didn't even ask to be forgiven. You had to forgive someone who never apologized. But you forgave them anyways. Why? Because you just knew that in this new community, a new creation in Christ that's saturated in God's presence. Forgiveness is just what we do. We forgive others. Scripture tells us we forgive others. Why? Because we have been forgiven. We forgive others as we have been forgiven. In fact, it's a daily walk in the spirit of forgiveness, which, by the way, in my flesh is impossible. But in Christ, it's just who I am. The normal, natural part of being a new creation in Christ is I walk in the spirit of forgiveness. Praise the Lord. Generosity. 
Generosity, selling fields, bringing your tithes to the church, laying your gifts at the apostles' feet, so to speak. Where did we learn to do that? Again, I did not come out of the womb a generous person. But praise the Lord, I've learned how to be generous right here in the context of community. For the verses, we tithe 10% here at LifeSpring, and then we try to do another 10% just places, right? We support missionaries and sponsor children. And right now, a lot of that's going towards the several years that we're doing for the Forward 20 Fund to have a building of our own. But that means, you know, you do the math, whatever you're making, that's 20% of that. And I'm just telling you, laying it at the apostles' feet, for me, that is not because I'm feeling like condemned. It's not because someone put a guilt trip on me. It's not because someone like was just squeezing me, right? You know, it's kind of manipulating me. No, when we give, I love giving with my wife because we're just so happy. Aren't you thankful for the happiness that you find in giving, the joy, the freedom that you find in giving? By the Spirit of God living inside of us, we have a generous spirit that did not come naturally. That has been cultivated in the presence of God. It's something that I've learned right here in the community of God. Anybody else learn how to radically give in the presence of God in this community? Amen. Again, if you're out there by yourself on your own, You're not going to just have some random thought. And you know what I should do is give thousands of dollars to a church. That's never going to happen. But in community, you say, God, I see what you're doing. And I believe that you're on the move. And if I could give it all, all I would. Because I want to see your kingdom advance for your glory, for your name. Praise the Lord. Radical giving. As I close the day, I I just want to step back for a second. The 10,000 level. I just want to look at that whole passage again. As you look at these believers, they're praying to God, right? Peter and John come back. They're praying to God. They're saying, God, would you enable us, empower us to speak your word boldly, to see healing and signs and wonders all in the name of Jesus. But then when you see this new community, it begins to develop and where without Jesus, humans are kind of ugly and messy, so divisive, greedy, selfish, sometimes just flat out need and or mean, but just by the spirit, something new is happening as the spirit rests on this community and acts for instead of divisive. Now they're united. They're in one heart, one mind, meeting each other's needs. I just think as you read all of this, as you consider what God is doing in the passage, but also as you consider what God is doing here. Here, like in my life, in your life, in the life of this church, I just close with this. This is what Jesus does. 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 Jesus changes everything. And because of Jesus, we have this new community in Jesus' name. Where heaven meets earth. Hallelujah. We individually and corporately are a temple of God's divine personal presence. Hallelujah. And in his presence we are transformed and conformed to the image of Christ. And Jesus is doing a good work in us. And he's growing us. And he's changing us. And he's he's changing how you interact with him. He's changing how we interact with each other. It's beautiful and it's powerful. I just want to say press into it. Press into this. Pastor Ritz, I love your word today. Press into this. When others are getting in the habit of not meeting together, life spring, let's press in. Let's press in and let's invite others on the journey 
We all know people right now who are trying to make it on their own, and it's just not working. We were never meant to do life alone. We are better together. And also be reminded, this isn't just like some clique or social club. It is not just even a community service group. This is the church, the spirit-empowered body of Christ. And the gates of hell shall not prevail. So let's pray together. Let's pray some dangerous prayers. And let's do it together. One heart, one mind. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for faithfully playing your part. You are such a gift in my life. I love you. And I love doing life in Jesus, with Jesus, and through Jesus with you. So would you stand? And I just want to invite the Holy Spirit to come upon us again. Holy Spirit of God, come rest on us. Holy Spirit of God, consider their threats. Consider those who conspire against us. And now enable us to preach your good news. To share the good news of Jesus with everyone. That there's not one person who needs to be lost. There's not one person who needs to be lost. That Jesus, you came to save the world. You died on the cross to save the world. You rose from the dead to save the world and give us eternal life in you. And so now, Lord, consider what's going on in this world and empower us to do something about it. (laughs) Just, Lord, right now, fall on us again. That you would put us into rooms that are chaos and that we could bring order in the name of Jesus. You could bring us into rooms that are hurting and we could bring healing in the mighty name of Jesus. You could bring us into rooms that are dark and yet we carry the very light of Christ and we could shine the light of Christ into the darkness. Lord, right now, consider their threats and enable your servants, us, Lord, to carry well your name into every situation, every circumstance. And we will watch what Jesus in the name of Jesus can do because nothing is impossible with you, Lord. Thank you, God. And may thousands upon thousands come to know you, Jesus, right here, right now. I prayed that before service. I pray that again, that through your church all over this region today, not tomorrow, but today, thousands would come to to know you, Jesus, to know the salvation and rescue that is found in your name. If you do not know Jesus today, he wants to know you. He is pursuing you. He is calling you by name. He loves you. He is for you. He has plans for your life. He cares for you. He wants to walk with you. Whatever you're struggling with, whatever you're feeling that is just taking you down and defeating you, He says, no, you can find victory in me. Cry out to the Lord. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in Him, believe that He is who He says He is, you will be saved. You will be saved. Believe in the Lord and you will be saved. Don't wait any longer. Don't wait another day. Put your faith and trust in Jesus. And you will walk a new creation. Life with Jesus in a new community bought by his blood. For the rest of us, I simply pray that we just have the courage to surrender. (laughs) Courage to let go. 
the surrender of a follower of Jesus that says, I'm ready to do your will. Not my will be done, but yours be done. So God, you placed me here for such a time as this. In this region, on this day. And so empower your servants. Enable your servants to do your will. Lord, I just, I hear that so clearly right now. It's the cry of this church right now. I just, I just hear, it's your saints, the cry of your saints. I just hear that in this room right now. It's, it's a unified cry that just says, enable us to do what you're asking us to do. Enable us. Individually and corporately, enable us, empower us, Lord, right now to do what you're asking us to do. Right here, right now. We don't have to wait 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. We don't have to wait. We're saying now, Lord. We're saying now, Lord, that the ground we shake now, that we speak the word of God boldly now. Now, Lord. Now, Lord, as I saw my friend on the streets of Las Vegas yesterday telling people that they could be saved if they called on the name of Jesus. It was a now word. It was a fresh word. It was a word of right here, right now. God loves you and he's for you and he's willing to save you and give you eternal life. Lord, give us that passion and boldness for your name. All to your glory and for the advancement of your kingdom. And all God's people said, Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Jesus.